Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kirikides, as usual, joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how we doing? Great. How are you? Good, man. Excited to be here again. Got a got a couple good topics to talk about that I think will kind of bleed into each other. So uh, topic number one, popular topic among kids, and I think that it gets blown up because of social media, but we want to talk about commitment timelines and how do I, how they apply to different levels, what those timelines look like when coaches are looking to hand out offers and how that differs from level to level. And then the the second piece of the podcast today, which I think feeds into timelines and being informed in that is getting an honest evaluation of where you fit in the college landscape and how important that is to effectively navigate this. Um, we'll get in a little bit more detail there, but let's Let's start on the timeline piece. Uh, I mean, my biggest thought for me that comes to mind with this is everybody's timeline is going to be different. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a cop out and, you know, kind of a straddle the fence, but it's the truth. And one of the things that I think I've learned over the years, and I think it's becoming even more apparent this summer is that all types of schools are looking for 2024s right now. Division one schools, ACC schools, SEC schools, all the way down to Division three schools, and it really, for me, it's about when is a kid recruitable, and at what level is he recruitable at? And that, that's kind of my stance on timelines. And you know, obviously, if you're a if you're a twenty twenty five, and you're not quite a Division one player yet, yeah, your timeline's probably going to be sometime next year. But if you're a twenty four, and there's a lot of opportunities that are still out there right now. I mean, I've talk to a handful of coaches even today and I mean they're still they're still actively looking to fill out their 2024 class and to be honest with them none of them seem to be in a rush to to finish they really seem to like they want to do their homework but what are, what are your thoughts on that Keith yeah the you know I think the new rule is going to change it but the the transfer portal is obviously something that is um, definitely slowing down the the signing of a lot of players, right? Like you, you have a lot of people who are getting into the transfer portal um, to fill out their classes and plug holes and then taking their time on, on high school seniors. Um, You know, and I I think it's only going to slow the kind of slow the recruiting of the, the 2025, the 2026 classes uh, moving forward, because you're going to have this many people in the portal um, there's going to be a lot of people who are, you know, coaches that are going to be able to plug their holes with college players. And they're going to kind of bark up that tree first before they move on to the the high school kid. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's certainly going to slow some things down. Like there's going to be some of the, you know, the, the division one kid, you know, I think for the most part is everyone kind of knows who they are when they show up to the field to be, you know, to play, but, um, you know, I, I think they're going to start committing at a little bit of a, a later rate than than what they've been doing in the past three, four, five, six years. Yeah, I, I mean, who knows? They might change the rules again. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I mean, I think the new rule is going to kick this here moving forward. 
specifically for the 25, the 26s, and the 27s, I think you're going to get a little bit closer to what it used to be, which is most kids don't commit until the summer before their senior year of high school. I think that that's going to be the norm more than it is the outlier. And obviously the contact rule is going to have an impact on that. And, you know, kids not being able to get offers prior to August 1st heading into their, into their junior year. But I think the combination of that and the portal, like there's so much shuffling going on. I mean, I talked to a, a, a PAC 12 recruiting coordinator today. He told me that he went to his first high school game in the summer today, you know, and we're, we're recording this on July 17th. And I think that that's pretty telling. Yeah. Did, do they have most of their 24 class done? Probably some of their 25. Yeah. But they're still looking for guys. And from what I've seen this summer, from what you've seen this summer, I mean, there's plenty of really good baseball players out there who still aren't committed. So, you know, those mid-major schools, those lower-end Division One schools, you know, I don't think this – I think this timeline is going to be more the norm for them, and they're going to be doing most of their recruiting that, that summer before a kid's senior year, and it's not going to be these – you know, I don't think a lot of those schools are jumping into – sign a bunch of 2025s the first week of August. I just, I don't anticipate it unraveling like that. I think you're going to see, you know, kind of the cream of the crop go. And then I think you're going to see a fairly big pause. Um, guys get to see guys more. They don't have to rush. They don't have to get on the phone. That's another thing that I think has been interesting is that um, even for 24s, guys aren't doing as much phone work as they used to until they feel really good about a kid because there's not that pressure anymore it seems a little bit different in, in terms of how coaches are kind of going about their business. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Like there's a lot more time to sit around and I shouldn't say sit around. That's not the right thing, but there's more time to be able to make a decision, especially with what the new rules are going to be. You know, you don't have to sign a 2027 because or commit a 2027 because everyone else is doing it and if you don't you know we're we're going to be up against it and lose this kid and blah 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 you know now it's like well no one no one else can do it so let's sit and wait and you know you can go watch them play and make decisions and feel really good about where those kids are at before you actually you know decide to go down that path you know you can actually gather a lot more information you can watch them a little bit more you know, you could talk to their coaches and, and talk to a bunch of people and get a lot more character references on on where people are at, you know, versus the the old kind of, you know, what we what we saw recently was just, you know, a, a, a mad sprint to just, you know, essentially an arms race of just trying to commit as many people as you possibly can so that, you know, other people in your league couldn't commit those kids. Um you know, so I, it's certainly going to slow things down. Um, you know, do I think that there's going to be the really good kids that go super early? Like, yeah, I do. And what that's, you know, I don't think that that's going to be abnormal, you know, but I, I think from the mid-major level all the way on down, there's going to be a lot more, um, you know, a, a slower timeline through the end of the summer and into the fall. Now, you know, obviously if it's, it, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of kids who are getting recruited at, you know, uh, a high end academic division three school, like those kids might, you know, I don't know. I don't think it speeds up or slows down what's been going on at that level. Um, you know, you 
reason I say that is because we always bring up the trickle down effect. You know, what goes on at the division ones end up, you know, trickling down. Like, I, I just don't know in, in some instances, if it's going to change what some schools do, right? Like some schools have always waited super late to, to kind of get after recruiting classes. Um, you know, I don't think the rule changes it, but you know, high end division three, like if you're looking at the NESCAC or the Liberty league or, um, you know, uh, some of those higher end academic schools, especially, you know, California too. Like if you're, it's a niche kind of market you're in to begin with. So if those are schools that you like, you know, you want to go there and you're getting recruited by the school, like it's not going to change your timeline from what it was three, four or five years ago, last year, it's going to be the same thing. Like you'll see kids committing division three. Now you'll see them committing in November and December. Like that, that, that's not going to change anything. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, I think we'll do a, we'll do like a little thought exercise here. Like if you're going to, we'll do it with the 2025 class. Cause you've got that August 1st piece coming up soon. And um, they're probably the, they're the first class who's going to go through this new model with all the deadlines and, uh, or excuse me, with the contact rules and kind of how I look at it is because this is going to bleed into kind of the evaluation of where you're at as a player and why having an honest assessment there is really important. But if you're a 2025 and you're going through this right now, obviously you haven't, you may have had contact before the new rule put in place, but you haven't talked to anybody in months. If you're a legit division one guy, like if you're that upper mid major or you're that like top tier type of talent, right? ACC, SEC, quote unquote, power five. And then you start mixing in, you know, like the CAA and American and uh, conference USA and some, some belts, some conferences like that. Those kids are probably going to go off the board pretty early, right? Like if you're a guy that they've seen, if they're a guy that they feel comfortable with, they get a chance to know you a little bit early on in August, or they get some good references from coaches, I think those kids are going to go early, but the new early is going to be August, September of your junior year, as opposed to August, September of your freshman year. Right. So those kids are going to wait a little bit longer. I think you're probably going to see some of those mid major, like those true mid major schools, like those tier three schools. I could see them jumping on some kids, trying to get on a kid early before he blows up. You know, maybe you find an arm that you feel really good about whose velo isn't quite there and you try to snatch him up before he goes into the off season and adds five miles an hour. But fundamentally, if you don't get calls early in August and you're not getting heavily recruited, it's not a bad thing. And I think that that's one of the big takeaways for kids going through the process is you probably just need to get a little bit better. Um, you know, you need to continue to develop and you need to take that as evidence that you're, you know, that you're not quite, where you may think you are or may where you may want to be. Um, but for division two, II, division three, junior college, NAIA, I don't think any of this changes anything for them. Right. And you've recruited at all those levels and I've recruited at two of those levels, you know, division three, if you're 25 and you're not a solid division one guy right now, one, you need to get better, but two, most of the recruiting is still actually going to happen the spring of your junior year going into the summer of your senior year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I concur, doctor. Um, you know, I, I think is this gets back to a normal, you know, pre 
2011, 12, like it's going to get closer to that. You know, I do think that it's, you're going to see a lot more of the, the college guy the you know, early college, like you're going to see a lot more guys at summer ball games recruiting the, the college summer leagues on, on guys in the portal um, and not really hitting those bigger tournaments that you've seen, you know, are they going to be at some, like somebody's going to be there? Yeah, but they're not going to be double covered. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many guys are going to go sit down on, you know, the 14, 15, you Wildwood bat in Georgia tournaments anymore. It's not to say they won't be people there, but you know, I, I think that you're going to see a massive shift in what's getting covered and for how long over the course of the summer for guys, because you, 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 you can't wait, you know, you can wait, excuse me. Like you have a lot of time to actually figure out whether or not there's going to be guys that can play for you, you know, and I think the rule is going to do what, you know, ultimately it was intended to do where, you know, you're, you're not offering, you're not over offering. We're not going to have guys getting dumped. You know, you're going to have to make a decision, you know, like you might have made your mind up in July that you're going to offer a kid or June or May, whatever, but like, you can't give it out until August, you know, and conversely, I think it helps where, you know, Hey, if under the old rules, we would offer this kid back in, you know, July of his sophomore year, you know, now you look at, you see him a full year later and he's the same kid. Like he, you know, probably doesn't fit what you're going to. So now you don't necessarily like, it's better for the kid in that standpoint too, right? Like you're going to get that feedback of, Hey, we thought you were a guy last year, but you know, you're still a good player. Just you haven't progressed to where we need you to be to play at said SEC, ACC school. Um, you know, but I, I, I think, you know, you're right. Just because you're not getting calls from division one school doesn't mean you're not a division one guy. You just, you're not there yet. You know, and the whole goal of this is to continually get better, you know? So if you're not getting calls, like just keep, getting better. Eventually you'll get calls. It's no big deal. Yeah. The goal isn't to commit as early as possible. The goal is to find the right fit. I mean, I was talking to a good friend of ours and one of his guys just committed to ODU. He's a 2024. Like, if yeah. that kid was all, if that kid was all upset about not getting committed to a division one school last summer, he would have been thinking the wrong thing. Like the kid worked, he continued to get better. He was in good hands with, with Scotty. Um, and up there working with him, he put in the time, he put in the effort, had a couple of really good outings. And now he goes, gets to go pitch for Mike Marin. And, you know, if that kid goes into panic mode and, and is worried about the Twitter posts and the social media posts, you know, he might not get where he's going to go, but the kid put his head down and, He's going to go pitch for a top 50 program in the country that's been pumping out pro guys like it's gone out of style recently. And I think that that's really good evidence that players just need to continue to develop. Like It sounds simple, but it really is that simple. Like You need to be recruitable at that level before you can get recruited at that level. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this. Playing at that top tier of Division One baseball, it's a really, really small percentage of kids. Um, and you got to be really good to do it. And for some guys, they don't become that player until, you know, if you're a 24 now, right? For some guys, if you're a 2025, 20, you might be that guy now. Great. But just because you're not doesn't mean that you're not a college player. It just means you need to get a little bit better. And guys develop at different rates. And, um, you know, to get, to get caught up in what everybody else is doing, I just – I don't think it's very beneficial for anybody. And you got to control what you can control. And 
you know, these coaches are going to evaluate based on the performances that they see. And if you're good enough and you're in front of the right guys, then you'll be in, you'll be in good shape. Um, you know, but if you're chasing something that's not even close to the realm, you know, if you're a righty and you're 80 to 82 right now, and you think you're going to get a division one scholarship, like you're probably chasing the wrong thing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, there's kids who run into that every year, but I mean, it's kind of where that honest evaluation comes in and having somebody in your corner who's willing to tell you like, Hey, you fit in this place. You fit in this level of play in these type of schools. I just think it, I think it's really important. And if you've got somebody blowing smoke up your ass as a player, it doesn't do you any good because especially if you're a 2025 right now and you got somebody telling you like you're an ACC guy, well, if you are great, but if you're not and they're feeding you that, you're going to be disappointed in August. And you, you got to realize that it doesn't mean that you can't be. It just means that you need to get better. And that's what off seasons are for. That's what the fall is for. You know, guys, you see guys have massive velo jumps or grow three inches and put on 20 pounds. Like that's not abnormal for a 16 year old to go through a change like that physically. And I hate to see it when kids get disappointed by the things that they don't control that are going on around them. It's just, it's tough because it's they're tough conversations to have, but they're the ones that are necessary for sure. Yeah. You know, I think the, the, the hard part is you have a lot of people who, you know, the, uh, if you play baseball at the AAU travel level and you're looking to get recruited and you spend a lot of time doing this, like your ultimate goal is to, you know, play division one baseball, right? Like that's what I think a, a lot of kids who, who do this aspire to, you know, and then get drafted and play pro ball and get to the big leagues. Um, you know, but that that's not going to be the reality for, well, what is it, 2.2% or something? Uh, you know, so 2.2% of high school seniors are going to go play Division One baseball. That means 98%, 97, what is that, 97.8% of people aren't going to play Division One baseball. You know, so that's, that's a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not to discourage anybody, but, like, that's the reality and those are the numbers. You know, so you you have to have somebody in your corner or somebody telling you, you know, and being honest with where you fit at the collegiate level. And, you know, I I know Jonathan's talked about this on here and, you know, I'm never going to say that you have you've had to have played college baseball to know this. But I do I do believe that, like, you should have some semblance of of college coaching or a, a very high knowledge of baseball at the collegiate level to be able to legitimately tell people where they fit. Like, you know, I think it's hard if you've never coached college baseball or, you know, you haven't done it in 30 years to sit there and be like, no, you can definitely play at, at this school and you fit at this level. Like the game has changed so much. And if you've never really recruited and you've never done this, like I, I you know, I, I think it's a little bit, you know, easier to say like it, it, it like at the maybe from the the AAU coaches standpoint like if you have guys that have played at multiple college levels like you can compare guys across those levels and, and make a pretty good you know pretty educated guess um you know but I I think right now 
there's a decent amount going on uh, of people who are overestimating where players can play. And I think that is leading to disappointment on both ends, you know, disappointment from the, the, the person who believes that that kid should play there when they don't necessarily have a full understanding and a disappointment on the kid's side, because they believe they're getting, you know, they're, they're, they're being told that they should be able to play at this level. And they, you know, they have zero calls, you know, so it, 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 you know, that's where it, it becomes vital that you actually, you know, have somebody in your corner or somebody that you trust that has, you know, a, a high knowledge and, and, and knows what level you will potentially fit at to really help you guide through this process. I mean, one of the biggest resources we lean on is the guys that we coach with or the guys that we know through coaching. I mean, it's one thing for us to evaluate a player. You know, I think generally we're very much in the ballpark. I think something that we pride ourselves on is that if we pick up the phone to call somebody, they're going to be at least worth, they're going to be at least worth the drive to the ballpark, right? Like, cause we know what it's like to be on the other side of that one. You know, somebody tells you a kid's 80, you know, it happened to us at William and Mary, you know, you get a call from somebody, okay, kid's 86 to 88, six, two moves well, good breaking ball. You, know, you drive four and a half hours to go watch the kid throw and he's 80 to 82. It's like, all right, well, I'm never taking a call from that guy again. Um, we don't ever want to be those guys. So like, that's important, but I know something that both me and you do frequently is we send video and information to guys that we trust, even if they're not a guy that is for that level, right? Like, Hey man, what do you think of this dude? Like, because that feedback's crazy valuable because we can be wrong and like we value different things. So like I might send a video to one of our, our friends and they might come back and be like, Hey man, can I get that kid on the phone? And I'll be like, shoot, I didn't think he was quite that good. Well, now my opinion has to change a little bit and that school list changes and the contact list changes. And, um, you know, that, that feedback is just, I think it's the most important thing, not only for the recruiting process, but the development process, like if you're in 2025 and you're getting feedback that you're not quite one of those top tier guys, you can either, you know, you can either use it and get pissed about it and be upset about it that, you know, well, you know, they're overlooking me. Like you can use that excuse if you want, or you can take it and be like, all right, well, I need to close the gap on the competition. So what do I need to do to get there? And the kids who take that approach and just put their heads down and just continue to try to get better it seems to usually work out for those kids. Um, yeah, but that, that's also where huge you person who's in your corner, you know, it, they need to have the understanding of what you need to do to close the gap as well. Right. Like, yeah, they can't be the person that's like, Hey, I think you're a division one guy and there's no division one school recruiting you like, okay. Like what do you have to do to close the gap then? If this person's telling you you can play division one baseball yet, no division one school is recruiting you. Like there, there's a disconnect there, right? Like, so this person thinks I'm good enough, but yet not one school is actually recruiting me. So like, where, like, where are you getting your, like, what, what, what feedback are you getting that is going to tell you what you need to do to get better? Because if that person can't provide that for you, then you should probably go look somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Like if they can't give you a concrete reason as to why then you know, right you, yeah you probably need to like if i keep if i keep them. telling you andy that you're a division one baseball player but come 
you know, October, not one division one school has called you or is recruiting you. Like, and then you ask me like, Hey, like you keep telling me I'm a division one guy, but no one's recruiting me. What do I have to do to get better? And I'm like, I think you're good enough. Like, that's great, but that's not getting me recruited. So like, if, if, if you have somebody who's telling you that you fit at a specific level and not one person is recruiting you from that level, like you need to question how much that person knows and what they're actually doing to help you. Because if they can't provide an answer or get you to the point where, that you are being recruited by those, by schools at the level they think you fit, then they're, they're, yeah. you're just paying them money to, you know, you're putting food on their table. Go give your money to someone else who's going to actually help you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's clearly a disconnect. And I think there's a big difference between you are and you can be, right? Because I think that for a lot of guys, right, there's guys who are 25s right now that they aren't right now, but they can be if they decide that they want to get after in the weight room, that they want to start taking care of their bodies, that they want to make some adjustments to their swing or their mechanics, and they're willing to put in the time and effort to go after it. Like there's plenty of kids who are going to go in to this fall as a 2025 who aren't recruitable division one players and are going to pop out the other side of the spring and are going to be recruitable division one players because they use those four or five months effectively. They got in the weight room, they added some strength, they added some speed, they worked on, some of their deficiencies and you know there's kids who a lot of times it's just the physical component of it like you have the skills you know you've got the actions and you've got the feel for the game and you've got good bat to ball skills but you don't drive the baseball yet or you're 81 to 83 and you throw a bunch of strikes and your slider is pretty good for your velocity but you're just not throwing hard enough well there's ways to close that gap. And as a player, when you go through this, that's what's really important because that improvement doesn't stop when you make your commitment either. I mean, um, you know, if you think that you're going to commit and just be ready to go when you get on campus by going through your normal routine, you're probably in for a pretty rude awakening. And, you know, that time and effort that you put in the weight room, that time and effort that you put you know, in the off season is really what usually closes the gap. It's usually what separates a lot of kids. And I think going to the weight room a couple days a week and going to their hitting coach once a week is enough to get them where they want to go when it's just not enough. I, I saw um, I saw a post about Sammy Stafora and he was a kid who got drafted. I think he was 43rd pick of the draft to the Reds. And it kind of chronicled his improvement, right? And obviously he's a super talented kid, but three years ago, he was running a seven three and weighed 160 pounds. Well, he worked his butt off. He was driving 45 minutes each way to go work with somebody that he trusted. And you know, fast forward three years, he's running a six four. He weighs 195 pounds, and you know, just signed for a couple million dollars. Now that's not everybody's story, but the general story is if you're willing to put in that time and you're not going to get caught up in the rankings, you're not going to get caught up in the timeline in which you commit, you'll, you can close the gap and you can get better, but it just like, it's, it's hard work works. Like I know it's a little corny, but like that kid didn't do that because he, because he just magically shot up and got fast. Like 
that's not how it works. That kid put in a ton of work and effort and that gets overlooked when the kid signs for a couple million dollars. You, you forget that three years ago, he was just a pretty good high school player. And that kid outworked everybody else, right? Obviously he's got some talent and some ability that translates for sure. But I'm willing to bet that there's not a lot of kids who are willing to drive an hour, 45 minutes each way, five days a week, so that you can get into the weight room with somebody you trust, so that you can work with somebody that you trust. Like most kids, if it's not super convenient, they don't want to do it. And nothing about this journey as a player is convenient if you want to figure out how good you can be. No. You know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this on another podcast, but it's it's far different in the college game, right, versus high school. And you you hit the nail on the head. Like, if you think that just working out once or twice a week and, and hitting once a week with your hitting guy is going to be good enough to get you to where you need to be, you're you're wrong. Like, you know, you got to hit five, six, seven days a week when you're in college if you want to keep it rolling. Um, you know, it's funny. I was – my wife and I are at my um, – my parents' house and um, we, we were talking about stuff. My wife, you know, for those of you that don't know, is the head women's lacrosse coach at Brockport and um, she played division one lacrosse as well. But, you know, we were talking about what we were going to be talking about you and I, and my mom was like, I'll never forget the first game I went to when Keith was a freshman where I looked out at the field and I was like, Oh my God, these guys are huge that he's playing against. And I wasn't a small dude. Right. Like I, my freshman year, I was probably, I mean, I'm 6'2. Um, I was probably like 190 ish. You know, so it wasn't small. You know, but my mom would be like, wow, like these guys are enormous. You know, it, it tells you something. That was what? That was 2005 was my freshman year. You know, think about it now. Right. Like, I mean, I, I think playing weight for me, my junior, senior year, I was like two, between 205 and 210. Like, you know, I, I'm still smaller than I think the average weight of LSU in Florida this year. <laughs> like they're big dudes, you know. And I found the weight room. I worked out a lot. I did a lot of that. Those things as I got older, you know. And I, I, if you, you know, if you have the the ability to do that stuff earlier on, you're gonna find yourself in a better position, you know. But I do think that if you can get in the weight room earlier, it's gonna make you, you know, a better baseball player in, in the long run. And I just think that there's there's a lot of things that go into this as a, you know, from where your timeline ends up being and who is helping you and, and what feedback you're getting that, you know, I, I think it, it gets pretty convoluted on for families about what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing and where you fit and where you don't. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, we've talked about this before where I think, you know, I don't think it's, it's misinformation. I just think it's, um, you know, it's, it's with, it's said with the best intentions, but it's just, it's misguided. You have people that don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, and, and they're trying to do things with the best intentions, but they're just unfortunately wrong. So, you know, but I, I think that that's where, you know, a lot of the, the, the honest feedback and, and I don't even know, like you can get feedback from camps and stuff, but just somebody who can honestly help you through this process. If you don't know what you're doing is tremendously huge. Like, you know, I, I think, you know, I went through this one and we've talked about this. I think, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on here. Like our process from a recruitment standpoint was, 
is so different from what goes on nowadays, right? Like I, I went, I just played a bunch of games and people called me, um, like showcases weren't a thing for you and I growing up. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I perfect game was in its infancy. I played in the Worldwood bat in Florida in January. And that was like, you know, what is this? You know, it was like the first taste of a showcase and it was just a bizarre, you know, now it's, you know, I, that was the only showcase I went to. I didn't go to any college camps. I didn't, you know, that was, that was it. And then I just played games with my summer team. I was all got recruited. So like what my process and, and probably similar to yours is it's foreign to me, what these kids go through now, you know, obviously it's not foreign from the standpoint of like, I did this for 16 years and I, I know what they go through, you know, but what they go through from a recruitment standpoint now is, is a complete 180 from what I went through, you know, like I, it's not, not even close to what, 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 what you did or I did by what I did. I can't speak for you, but what I did. Jeez, dude, I freaking great Sheffield, Massachusetts. We didn't have a stoplight in the town I grew up in. Like, I mean, I committed to, I committed March in my senior year of high school. Right. And Think about that. Uh, and I ended up, you know, playing for a program that won a lot of games. And yeah, it's different now, but I, I, just, I, I always, I often think back of rule number one when I was coaching at William and Mary with coach Murph, who I got a chance to see up in Boston this past, uh, what, two weekends ago. Um, Rule number one was don't panic. It never does anybody any good. And I think that applies to recruiting. Like don't panic, especially if you're a 25, like don't panic, take a look at the the situation, assess it. Honestly, take a look in the mirror, assess where you are and you need to have a conversation with yourself and go, I'm not where I want to be. What do I need to do to get there? And if you have pause about the, the amount of effort that you need to get there, you either need to come to terms with that maybe where you think you want to go isn't where you're going to go, or you need to really get to the drum board and go, all right, like I want to be a Division One scholarship player. Nobody's calling me right now. What do I need to do? All right, well, I weigh 160 pounds. I need to get stronger. I don't throw hard enough. I need to go get stronger so I can throw harder. Like I need to increase my bat speed. I need to make some mechanical changes. Like if you can have that honest conversation with yourself and you have somebody in your corner who can help guide you in that conversation, that's super powerful because until you're willing to make that change, until you're willing to acknowledge what the current state actually is, you can't make any changes. You're just going to be, you know, spinning your head, blaming everybody else. They're like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't play well that game. That's why, that's why they didn't like me. Like you can, you can find a million different excuses. If you want to find an excuse, it's harder to look yourself in the mirror and go, you know what? I do need to get stronger. I do need to think about how I'm going to revamp my swing this off season. You need to have those conversations. And if the kids who do that and the kids who have somebody in their corner, who's willing to look them in the face and say, Hey man, it's not that you're not good enough. It's that you're not good enough yet. And here's how we're going to get you there. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. Those are the type of people that you need to be getting information from, not the people who tell you what you want to hear all the time. 
because that's a cop out and it doesn't do anybody any good when you're trying to get somewhere. Right. There's a time to love on somebody and, you know, pat them on the ass and tell them everything's okay. And there's another time to sit them down and say, Hey, here's where we're at. If you want to get here, here's the plan. Are you going to buy into the effort and the time that's going to be required to get there? Or if you're not, we got to reassess what the goals are. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I just, you know, there's, this is a a tough process to navigate for the vast majority of people, right? Like I, I think that it's, it's relatively easy for people if you're going to play in the SEC or the, uh, you know, ACC, Big 12, like relatively straightforward. Everything else I, I think can get pretty convoluted, um, you know, so being able to, to get the, the correct feedback, the correct information and, and know what you should be doing in your process and, and know that it's okay to, to not be getting phone calls and to know that you have to get better. At, at certain things in order to get recruited at certain levels or certain schools, you know, getting that information so that you can, you can get better yourself and you should be getting better as you get older and, and, and do this, if this is what you want to do, um, you know, but being able to, to, to listen to people and, and trust them and, and know that they have your best interest in, in mind too, you know, and I, I think that, you know, unfortunately I, I think that from a, a, you know, not only at the high school level, but I think there's, I think there's some college guys that are going to end up in the portal for a while, um, you know, having potentially had bad information, um, you know, but unfortunately I think that's the way of the world right now. Um, I'll beat the drum and try to not let that happen to this great game. But I, I do think that that's going to happen over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, I mean, sure. You definitely seeing kids who are getting bad information from people telling them to go in the portal. Yeah. Period. That's what I'm the math, Yeah. The math doesn't even add up. Like think about it. I think Kendall Roger tweeted the other day, there's like 2,500 division one players in the portal right now or something. Like, like do the math. There's just not that many spots. Um, and everybody keeps throwing out, well, when the COVID years are done, when the COVID years are done, when the COVID years are done, well, yeah. There ain't that many COVID years left. And you have a free year to transfer and people are telling you that you should be at a better school. Grass isn't always greener. And I'll tell you what, if you go in that yeah, portal, people are also not like, those people aren't coaching in college. I don't think. Well, and there's no consequences to them telling a kid that you should go into the portal. Yeah, now we're on the same page. There's no consequences. Yeah. When, when you can sit there and say that, you know, oh, we've, we've done all these things. And a lot of these people have done phenomenal things. I'm not taking that stuff away. But, like, I see tweets about, you know, college coaches will tell you this because it wins games. Like, yeah, like, that's what they get paid to do. They don't pay to just develop one skill set, whether it's hitting, pitching, whatever, and lose games. Like, they're not going to be around for long. They're, they're, like, this is their career. You know, and I, I just, I think that it's very easy to sit in your ivory tower and, you know, when you 
don't have to recruit kids and you don't have to win games to put food on the table and you don't have to do those things. It's very easy to say like, well, this is what I, they should be doing or this is where like that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Well, you jump into that portal because you, you, you drink the Kool-Aid and you have nowhere to go or you end up at a lower level, then like whose fault is it? So if that person's telling you you should be at a better school and none of those people agree, like where's the it's consequence? An easy, it's an easy conversation to have with a kid and tell them like, hey, man, you're better than that school. One, you better know damn well the college landscape to be able to say that. And you better know for damn sure that that kid is. But you're playing, you're playing to a kid's feelings. Like what 18 year old kid isn't going to fall in in love with the idea that they're better than everybody's telling them, you know, like that's an easy emotion to play off of to tell a kid you should go in the portal because you can play at a higher level. Like that's an easy thing to do. It's harder to tell a kid, Hey man, I know like, and this goes for the recruiting process. It takes more knowledge and more backbone to look a kid in the face and go, the ACC school that's offering you a spot isn't the right fit for you. Because the goal isn't to wear a uniform. The goal is to figure out how good you can be. Like that's a harder thing to tell a kid because it goes against, you know, what everybody wants to hear. And it's the same thing with the transfer portal. You got people telling kids who, you know, putting up marginal numbers that they should go in the portal and see what they can get. Like, what are we doing? But it is what it is. I mean, I think the only thing that, that we can do is just try to try to be honest and give people information, force them to answer questions that are uncomfortable. Like, I think that that's a well, big thing is to ask the question that's hard to answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing people that are, you know, sub 300 hitters at the Division three level in the portal trying to play division one baseball, like <clears throat> been around this game a long time. It's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. If you're, if you're a two ninety hitter at a name, random division three conference, you're going to have a really tough time at a good division one school. It's just yeah. that. I, like, it's really yeah, that. And, and, and you're a, you're going to have a good career at the division three level. And that is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that it's at all. Literally amazing like it's all right like i don't understand why you would want to give up that to go do something that you i mean you're like chris talked about you're opting into more competition so you know hey man best of luck but if it doesn't work out like look back at that moment and the people that got you that spot to be like what why am i here what am i doing yeah and i don't think the port i want to kind of stop this like i don't think the portals i'm not anti-portal by any stretch like no neither am i i think there's a i think there's a place for it i think it's a good thing in a lot of ways because kids do make bad decisions and you get an out right like maybe you get somewhere and you just like man i just i don't freaking like it here right like that's a real thing for an 18 year old to go away from home and they get there and they go you know what like this isn't a good fit for me i need to get a little bit closer to home or whatever it is, right? For some kids, it's going to be playing time. Like you get there and you go, oh, shoot. Like, I'm not sure if I'm going to really get a chance to play here. Like that's a valid reason to leave. And you do get kids who go to a mid-major school and they blow up. 
Yeah, good on you. Go get it. Who am I to tell a kid to turn down money to go play? I mean, some of the money that's getting thrown around is ridiculous. But I think that those are more the outlier than they are the norm at this point. I think there's a lot of kids who are going into the portal with bad information because people are trying to put their stamp on that kid's journey and they're not willing to tell the kid, hey, man, you're in a good spot. You didn't play a lot as a freshman. It just means you need to get better. Like most kids don't play as freshmen at college. That's not normal. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the it's not the old like you know well we don't play freshmen it's just you know the 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 game's bigger faster stronger you're playing against grown men um, you know there's a bigger difference between eighteen and twenty one twenty two than there is between fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen right like the, uh, I, I've always found. You know, that like that maturity from a, a body standpoint from in college is is far more significant than you'll see from like 16 to 18 in high school. Um, you know, and, and you're going to get bigger, faster, stronger, things like that. But, I, you know, it's I'm not anti portal at all. You know, I, I there's a place for it, um, you know, but I, I think that there's just a lot of a lot of things being thrown around to to some people to you know yes put their stamp on them and i you know i think that you see it <clears throat> around the draft you see it um around a lot of these things where you know it it's funny you know and i'll piss a lot of people off by saying this i don't really care like you very rarely will see coaches at the collegiate level, like put their stamp on kids when they get drafted, right? Like you'll see like, Hey, congratulations. It's awesome. Like kid works his tail off. He got drafted. You'll see a lot of people who don't coach that are like, we had 47 guys drafted. We had this guy wore a uniform on the, you know, Columbus day classic. Like I get it. You're making money, man. So that's what you're doing. But understand the look that it, that, that, that has and understand that, you know, there might be, you know, you might rub coaches the wrong way. Like I get that it's a business, but you know, like it's, I think it's hard to like, you know, when, when you're a college coach who works with a kid every single day, the clip that you do and you have people who are like, well, he trains with us over the summer for, you know, six weeks. Like we're the reason. Come on fumble yourself one time for me yeah i couldn't agree more like and I'm, not, coach, like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that those people don't help because they certainly do and they're good at what they do right like yeah, but if you're a coach but they're like, you're they're, in it for the credit you're in it for the wrong reasons period yep if you're in it so you can tweet about like to your point that they wore a uniform for you on some random tournament you know from travel ball like what what are we doing like just acknowledge ah, you the with us in the Columbus go. Day Classic, the the Labor Day <laughs> Beat the Heat tournament. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> the Beat the Heat tournament. The uh, I, somebody got blown up for that the other day. I don't know what the I forget what organization it was, but they tweeted about some kid who got drafted, and somebody blew him up. Like the kid wore a uniform for you for three days. Like, stop it. Like you didn't have anything right. to do, and. That's the stuff that I think as a 
as somebody who did it for 10 years and you know, you did it for 16, like you don't see, you don't see Tim Corbin or name whatever other big time random coach. I mean, there's a million, million of them, but you don't see those guys tweeting about me. It's not a me tweet. It's not about the kid. Exactly. 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 The one I'm on, I'm on my soapbox tonight. I, hey, I, I, I love it when you're on your soapbox. I love it when you're on your soapbox. <laughs> we get good info out of, out of Coach Glasser when he's on a soapbox. Um, the one other piece I wanted to touch on real quick before, because I think this is valuable for families who are going through this to really understand the landscape, is talk to a bunch of coaches and almost to a T. They're saving money for the transfer portal, period. So for 24s, they're holding off scholarship money in their 24 class because they know that come next year, come this time of year, there's going to be a college kid who's ready to go for that fall that they don't have to guess on, right? We've, we've gone through this with Synergy, with what is it, True Media, all the video that's accessible, all the track man data that's accessible, that you can make a much better decision and you can get a kid who's already ready. And that's a thing. Like anybody who's dealing in the portal, and it's not everybody, but a lot of Division One schools are using the portal in different ways. Some are using it to reload. Like you're seeing that in the SEC where they're getting five or six guys out of the portal to reload for next year or to rebuild. You know, Ole Miss had a down year. Well, they just went and stocked up on like six of the biggest names in the portal. So you're getting some of that, but you're also getting a lot of other schools that are just holding off a full scholarship until next year so they can go get a junior college kid or they can go get an arm that can fill in their staff. And I think that's important to recognize too is that you're going to see more kids, especially with the roster expansion, you're going to see more kids who are going to get offered roster spots, but you're not going to spend money on them. And that's like, that's a real thing. And I think as, as a player and as a parent going through this, you have to understand that that is a variable that you have to account for. And there's going to be kids who are going to get those division one offers that they're going to say, Hey, can you come to school for free? If you're willing to do that, great. But understand that that's, you know, that's a real thing and it's impacting how coaches are navigating because they have, they have essentially what amounts to like a quasi free agency. And I don't blame them. You know, if I'm trying to continue to be really good at that level and I have an opportunity to pick through a couple hundred arms that could help me. And I know that they're good because they've already done it at that level. I'm going to save that money for a college kid who can help right away and not worry so much about the high school kids. And I'm, you know, kind of kind of gambling on a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's the same. You know, it's the same strategy that they used with a lot of the COVID year stuff, right? Like, you know, they now with the the you have the year for the you know the the one time exemption. You know, I I can't tell you how many guys I talked to during the COVID years where they were like, you know. Class, what do you got for me? Like, do you have any guys who want to transfer for grad school? 
Like I would rather spend money on a guy that I know, you know, has played for you and I can go to college stats and, and see the success that they've had and bring them in versus, you know, a high school kid who, who hasn't played in a year and, and, you know, I haven't been able to really see, you know, so I, I think that like, it's just a, a continuation of that in the, in the sense that they can, you know, they have four, three, four years of data they can go to, you know, they can get on synergy, true media, track, man, they can get everything they need and be like, yeah, this is going to play and we can plug this for a year or two um, instead of the old, you know, risk it on a, on a high school kid, which isn't, you know, it's not going to go away, right? Like, you're still going to be offering high school kids, but you know, there, there is going to be that one or two off, you know, guy or, or two that they're going to take from a, um, a transfer standpoint that, you know, they just, they have a lot more data on a lot more confidence in being able to get that person for two years, um, you know, versus maybe a guy they're on the fence about from a recruiting standpoint at high school. It makes sense. It drives home that winning is paramount in college, and that's what coaches are always going to defer to. They're going to try to find guys who can help them win. So with yes. that, Coach Glass, we'll give you a chance to step down from your soapbox, and we'll uh, thank you. We'll close, we'll close this one out for a day. Uh, um, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. Hit the like button. Smash, smash it. Like, smash it. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, go ahead and follow us there. Give us a listen. And if you're looking for some social media content, uh, Twitter and Instagram, EMD Baseball. And if you want to learn a little bit more about what we do, our backgrounds um, as coaches, as well as what we do uh, with EMD Baseball, please go to emdbaseball.com. Until we meet again.